Welcome to This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. One verse, one truth, one choice. Hello and welcome once again to This One Thing. I'm Carrie Kenyon Dern. Thank you so much for joining me here today. And I am so grateful to my beautiful friend Crystal Wright for coming back this week. Hi, Crystal. Hello. Thanks for inviting me. I so appreciate you being here. Uh, Several weeks ago, I invited you to come back, and you're so gracious to say yes to me. And you even picked our verse of the week, which I appreciate tremendously. And you chose 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. So Crystal, if it's okay, I'd like to read the verse. And then, of course, we want to pull truth out of this verse. We want to make some choices and apply this passage to our lives. 1 Peter 1, verse 22 says this, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart. First of all, it's beautiful and it's poetic. I love how it sounds. I love reading that verse. There's just such a beauty in the simplicity of because of what Jesus did, now this is what your life should look like. This is a pretty easy one for us to apply because we're told how to apply it, right? So I want to start with you. Why did you choose this verse? And what is the truth that you most quickly pull out of this passage? What does this speak to you? I haven't been in First Peter for a little while, so I started reading in First Peter a couple weeks ago, and I just remembered, oh my goodness, I forgot how amazing this book is. It's short, but there's so much packed into it, and first chapter especially starts with these just beautiful reminders of all that we have because of the work of Christ, our salvation, the fact that we've been chosen, we have this inheritance, there's all these just beautiful amazing over-the-top promises that we're being reminded of that we have in Christ. So then when I got to verse 22, it stood out to me because I actually had just spent the weekend with some very dear friends. It just reminded me how important Christian fellowship and love is. So I think that's why that verse stood out to me initially, the idea of loving each other deeply with all of our heart. Um, But as I was reflecting more on it and studying, it was actually the beginning of the verse, just started meditating more on and God started uh, just showing me a little bit more. It says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now show sincere love. And so I was just thinking, okay, what's the connection between being cleansed from our sins to showing sincere love? It says it's when you obeyed the truth. And I think he's referring back to just that invitation into real salvation in Christ, that we have been completely transformed. We've been bought, he says, we've been ransomed in Christ. And part of that is being cleansed. So I was just reflecting on that picture of cleansing and the image that came to my mind, you know, there's there's sort of this very sad thing that can happen in individuals who struggle with addiction to opiates. You know, we, t- we hear about the opiate crisis and how many people are dying of of overdose, the time that's actually most treacherous for people to die of an opiate overdose is when they've had a time where they've been completely clean and sober. And they've actually gotten all of the drugs out of their system. They've had a, you know, they've been cleansed. They've got the chemicals, the toxins out of their body. And they go back and relapse after a period of being sober. And the levels of opiates and heroin that they could tolerate before their body can't handle. That's why overdose happens at that point. They 
They could have used that amount of drug in the past, but now that their bodies have been cleansed, they can't. And it just gave me that kind of a spiritual picture too of when we've been cleansed by Christ, we've been cleansed of sin, the old literally doesn't work for us anymore. Yes. Dipping back into sin, going back to to brokenness and death, it just doesn't work for our new hearts, our new minds, our new spirits. It's mm. it's poison, it's toxic. And so just thinking of that picture and realizing it is being cleansed that opens up room in our lives for there to be sincere love because mm. what breaks down relationship is always our sin. And Peter talks about that more in chapters two, two especially. He talks about the kinds of sins that we shouldn't have a pardon anymore because mm. they break down relationship. I just thought that was a a good reminder to mm. think about. You cannot love deeply, purely from the heart. And live in sin at the same time, you know, be consumed yeah. with sin. And we're not even created for that. We've been cleansed. We, When we go back to sin, we're re-ingesting poison that's, that we're not created for. That is such a powerful reminder. I think one of the first things that came to my mind when you were sharing is how often are we tempted to blame the brokenness in our relationships and other people instead of looking at our own sin problem, right? Yeah. So this passage is talking about how we're to love others. And you emphasized, I don't know if you even realized you did it, but when you were reading, you said sincere with emphasis. And that word, sincere love, really grabbed my attention as well. And it's actually anuta kritos in the Greek. It's a very funny word. And what it means is unfeigned, genuine, without hypocrisy, lacking pretense. It's love in the most authentic way possible. The real you showing through. Not the you you manufacture for relationships, for people pleasing, or because you want people to like you, but genuinely from the depth of who you were created to be. That is the sincerity that we're called to here in the Greek. The other thing that's really interesting to me here in this verse is that it's two different words for love that are being used. First, it says, so now you must show sincere love. And that first love is Philadelphia, the brotherly love and kindness. So basically, it's saying from the depth of your being, genuinely love others like your family. And then it continues on to say, love each other deeply with all of your heart. And that second love is agape, love like God loves you. And Crystal, you're so right. There is this intolerance for sin through the power of the Holy Spirit that grows as we are cleansed. And that cleansing process is called the sanctification process. As we are made more like Jesus, we literally get a sick feeling in the pit of our stomach when we do something that's contrary to the Holy Spirit. In fact, right before this conversation with you, I just had a conversation with a client about this very thing. She was reflecting on conversations and situations that she's in where she's literally feeling sick. And I said, that's your spirit going, this is repulsive. I don't want any part of this. This literally makes me feel sick. And that is what you're saying is the Holy Spirit's job as we become more like Jesus is to call us into the fullness of who we were created to be. What's so interesting is the context of this verse 
is starting in verse 13. The header is life in the spirit, living in the spirit, a call to holy living. And living holy isn't putting ourselves on an island. It's not living in an ivory tower saying, look at me, look at all the things I abstain from. These are all the things I don't do. Look at me, look at how holy I am. What this passage is saying, a call to holy living is all wrapped up in how we love other people. So if we really are becoming like Jesus, if we have been purified from the inside out, we are going to love genuinely. We're going to love like we love the dearest members of our family, people that we might consider acquaintances, but we're going to love them with that genuine love, that brotherly love and that agape love, which is how God loves us fervently, earnestly, intensely, like our lives depend on it. And I will be honest with you, Crystal, I am not quite there yet. (laughs) I find myself loving conditionally. I find myself still, even in friendships, with walls or barriers sometime. And the Holy Spirit will say, you see that barrier, that wall you're putting up, that shows you that you have a wound there. I need to bring more healing to your life so you're more interested in loving others than you are in protecting yourself. But I think that is what's being inferred here in this passage when we are sincerely allowing ourselves to be loved by Christ, by Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. When I am saying, God, fill me today with your love, that I would respond to others through the power of your love instead of through the grid of my wounds and my pain and my fear. Instead of looking at myself and how I want to protect myself, would you fill me with how much you love me that I would love others the same way? I love your illustration. I love that correlation you made between being detoxed and then intolerance for the drug and how we are being detoxed spiritually through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can show that through how we love others. Crystal, how would you encourage our listeners to choose to apply this passage to their life in the coming week? I'm going to pick up on what you said about the wounds and our protecting ourselves and not being able to love because the answer to those wounds is laid out in this chapter and it's Christ. It's, it is receiving his love. And he says so specifically how he's loved us. This chapter starts off with, this is being written to those who've been chosen. And then he talks about the extent that he went to, he ransomed, he bought us literally through the blood of his son and the gift of that. And so being able to let God heal those wounds with his amazing love to, to stand in his love, I think allows us to choose to love others. And it's his love that draws us to repentance as well. So his love covers our wounds. His love calls us to repentance out of the sin that damages relationship. And so I think the simplest way to love others is to know how loved that we are in Christ and to, it's hard for me to give one tangible way for for someone to receive that because I think we each have to seek that out with the Lord to say, show me Lord, your love for me. But it, I would say if you're struggling in sin or you're struggling to really love others deeply and purely, it might be good to start just with a question of asking the Lord, please reveal to me, help me to see clearly the depth of the love that you have for me. Absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly. It, it all starts with humility. 
it starts with recognizing that if we're honest, we all struggle in our flesh, in our humanness with sincerely loving others. This passage is saying, love each other deeply with all of your heart. If somebody could put a microscope inside of my heart, would they say, Carrie, you love everybody always deeply with all of your heart? Probably not. But that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's saying, I'm calling you to look at what you are capable apart from me and ask me to fill you with the love that is available to you. Because the only reason we would not receive more of God's love is because we are afraid. First John chapter 4, 16 through 19 says, you are afraid, but perfect love destroys, expels, casts out all that fear. So choosing to start each day is saying, God, help me to receive more of your love and putting ourselves in a position to do just that, whether it's going for a walk, listening to worship music, spending more time in the word or spending time just being still and listening to his voice. John chapter 10 promises us that we can hear him. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep can hear my voice. They know me, they follow me, and no one can ever separate them from me. That includes us. Even we can't separate ourselves from him. And we need to be quiet. We need to listen to his voice. We need to receive his love and choose to put ourselves in that posture of saying, God, I need to receive more of your love because then I will be able to live out this command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It says, so now you must show sincere love to brothers and sisters, that family, that Philadelphia love, love each other deeply with all of your heart. So the, the start is humility, the choice to say, God, I need more of your love because I can't love that way apart from you. This agape love is only available to give when I have first received it. So I make the choice to receive it and I choose today to love outside of myself, love without condition, without qualifier, without expectation, and without another motive. I think sometimes we find ourselves behaving lovingly, but we actually have another motive. And that's what this word is calling us out, this unfeigned, genuine love, this Greek word for sincere. It's so convicting. Because the Holy Spirit can see inside of us and say, is there another motive other than just freely giving what you have received? So I always use the picture of the sponge. If I am soaking up God's love, I am a sponge. And what happens to a sponge when it gets full? It has to flow over. It has to spill out. That water has to go somewhere. And so does the love. So God, would you saturate me with your love today that it would flow out, flow off, flow into the lives of everyone that my life touches. And if I'm afraid, if there are wounds that you have yet to heal, reveal those to me that I would surrender those places of brokenness and pain to you and receive your healing. Those are the places that I need your love to fill in that I would be able to love others the way that you love me. Crystal, do you have any final thoughts for us today on this verse? No, just what a beautiful 
encouragement it is to us. It's not a one, God is never one-sided, right? He never asks of us what he doesn't completely give us. And so I think it's, even in that command to love, it's the bigger thing is the fact that he loves us. And that's, that's beautiful and comforting. It's so comforting. Yeah. Because we don't have enough, but he always does. Yes. So in the middle of a command, it's a reassurance that if he's commanding us to do it, then he's going to give it to us to give, right? I love that. That's so true. Crystal, I really want to spend one more week in 1 Peter chapter 1. I think the verse following it, verse 23, was another suggestion that you made. So Uh you've kind of invited (laughs) yourself back, in a sense, I think, for another week. So can we do verse 23 next week together? Yes. Perfect. Let's do it. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for the power of your word. And like Crystal said, you don't make a command without giving us everything we need to fulfill that command. I pray that we would be men and women this week that choose to focus on the fact that you have cleansed us from the inside out. You have cleansed us from our sins. You have made us brand new. And now you're calling us to love sincerely, to love all of our brothers and sisters like family, and to love deeply with all of our hearts. Lord, that's agape. And we don't have that apart from you. So I pray that we would choose to allow you to fill us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet with your pure agape love, that we would love the way you love. Help us to see those around us that are hurting, that need an encouragement that need a positive, kind word, that need someone to pray with them or someone to listen to them or someone to sit with them. Would you give us opportunities in this coming week to love in this way, this beautiful clash and combination of Philadelphia love and agape love, loving others like family, loving others the way you love us. And I pray that we would choose to surrender our will, our way, our wounds, our needs, so that you can love others through us for your kingdom and for your glory. And it is in the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for This One Thing with Carrie Kenyon Dern. Find all our episodes by clicking the podcast link located on our website at fetterfree.org.